Turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We'll start there this morning. But let's pray. Father God, we love You in the name of Jesus. We thank You, God, that You have called us to Your purposes. Lord, that You saw fit, that You loved us so very much. God, and it amazes us that You would send Your Son to die for us. God, it amazes us, Lord, that You would put the Holy Spirit inside of us. God, it amazes us that, Lord, You'd give us the opportunity to preach about Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it amazes us, Lord, that You would come back and, and restore us into Your kingdom and, and bring order to this world and make it anew again. It amazes us, Lord, that You want to be with us for an eternity. God, that we are called Your church, Your people your bride, your temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, today you call us saints of God. And I pray today that we would just open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, and our feet to walk out of this place. Different chains transformed by the power and the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody say, Amen. I'm excited this morning and I'm eager to get into this this morning. Uh, We are in our series, Be the Church. And we've talked about what the church is. We talked about our first part was to be the church, be the people of God, that we are the people of God, just like Israel was the people of God. Check us out online on our on our website, our podcast, the people of God. We talked about the bride of Christ. We've talked about the temple of the Holy Spirit. And and I want to continue off of that idea about the temple of the Holy Spirit today to talk about to be saints of God. What does it mean to be a saint of God. We're going to talk about seven signs of saints. Seven signs of saints. But why does it matter this morning that Christians be the church? Why does it matter that you and I act like, look like, talk like, think like the church? Why does the health of the church matter? Why does every single person in this room, every single Christian around the world doing their part why does that matter? I look at today, and the Lord has really just been uh, on me heavy the last few weeks uh, with the things not only around the world, but even in our local community. Uh, we know humanity is in trouble. Somebody say amen. amen. Humanity is in trouble. America is in trouble. We think about millions of murdered babies. We think about rampant divorce and adultery. We think about violence and racism in our streets. We think about the widespread addiction of alcohol and drugs that are attacking every single family, even in this room. Someone has someone who, know, who is under the power and the influence of drugs or alcohol or some other form of addiction. We think about the blatant appro- approval of homosexual sin from the top court of the nation. But you know, it's not just in the streets of our nation. I think sin run, runs wild in the American church. Divorce rates are the same in the church. Multiple denominations, even in this last years, have approved homosexual pastors. Even today, the second largest denomination in America, the United Methodists, have an open debate whether or not to legalize uh, homosexual pastors in their denomination. That's going on right now. I think about call after call, not only in the national scene of the church, but call after call that I've received as my nine years of pastoring, counseling after counseling, crisis after crisis, even in our community, people after people that I encounter, that sin is taking a hold of so many lives. And sometimes I think we're ignorant to it. We're blind to the root cause of our problems in our life. Now we all endure things, trials and testings. The devil comes against us. Yes, he does. But I often wonder... 
if we're just being ignorant to the schemes of the devil to use our own sin, our own temptations to make us fall over our own two feet. And I want to talk this morning about holiness. God has been on my heart just in the last several days and weeks just to remind us of who we are and what we're called to. Just the little things. God has just been been on me about the little things in my own life that, that would just be like, why is that there, Heath? Why do you allow that to go on in that thought process or that look or that action or that talk? Why, why are you growing? Are, are we dealing with the issues of sin in our life or are we com- complacent to it? Uh, and this morning, I want to talk about what does it mean to be a saint of God? What does it mean to be His church and belong to God? Because to belong to God is to be holy. If, the, if you are the church, you belong to God. And if we belong to God, that means we're called to be holy. What is holiness? We talked last week, holy Holy One is the name of God used repeatedly throughout Scripture and Jesus Christ Himself. Holiness is the very essence of God. It's His character. It really, We don't even know how to really put it into words, but holiness is the essence of God's character. The Bible says that He alone is holy. He alone is perfect in power and goodness and justice, and He alone is without sin. They can't even begin to describe a being like God. can't even begin to comprehend it. He's holy. Uh, He's pure. He's without sin. But holiness doesn't just define God. It defines those things that are separated to God. That's you and I. Holiness is not just a description of God Himself, but and that's the, that's the character of God, the purity of God. But when it talks about you and I being holy or things being holy, those, that, when we use that term of holiness, it means separated for the purposes of God. And, and let me give you a better definition. It's, it's this, if you're writing things down. Holiness actually means this. It means to be purified from evil, number one. Purified from evil. It means, number two, to be separated from ordinary use. Number two, separated from ordinary use. And number three, it means consecrated or set forth to the service and conformity of His will. To give yourself over to His will, to serve Him, to fulfill His purposes for your life. So I'm putting out evil. I'm giving myself over uh, to to not just be used and abused by this world, not let the world have its way with my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions. And then I'm not just staying there, but I'm moving forward to do something for Jesus Christ. And you know, in Scripture, angels are called holy ones. Holy one. God is called the holy one. Angels are called holy ones. And saints are called holy ones. The actual word saint means holy one. Look at your neighbor and say, Holy One, you are a holy one. Isn't that kind of cool? God is willing to give you His name. God was so willing to give the church His name. His name is Holy One. And God calls you Holy One. I find that awesome and powerful. That God would give you His identity, His name. And that means you are the church. I'm going to give you seven things today uh, real quickly. Who and what is a saint that we're holy one? But you are a, a saint of God if you're his holy one. Are you separated? I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you one who is separated from the ideology and actions of this world? Do you stand apart? Is your life literally, really, truly, is your life, could you say this, given over to the full service and ministry of God? 
saint? Are you being conformed to His will? Are you certain you are and do what is necessary to see God face to face? Because Scripture says only the saints of God, only His people, only His church will see God face to face. Are you a holy one today? Number one, give you these seven things real quick. Number one, saints are this. What are saints are? What saints are? Saints are, number one, called by God. Somebody say, called by God. Saints are called by God. What are you called to? I know a lot of people in this room have been called a lot of different things, maybe even by your own spouse, right? You've been called a lot of things in this world, perhaps. But you are called by God. What are you called to? And what does God call you? He, number one, calls you out. Paul says in Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 18, he says he wants his church to know the hope of God's calling. The hope of God's calling. And he told Corinthians uh, that they were saints by calling in chapter 1, verse 2. He says God calls out His saints. He calls you out of where you were and He wants to do something with you. He To be a saint and be called out is to be a person who has faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just this mental thing though. It's to actually do this. You are called out to respond to His Lordship. You know, a lot of times we can believe in our head that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you know, the Bible says even the demons know that and tremble. I think sometimes the world knows that, but they don't tremble so much. But what it means is that God has called you, that He saw you where you were, like Lonnie this morning, uh, called by God in in His living room, that God had a plan for His life. And, and God is speaking out, calling you to, from where you are to Him, and He says, I'm calling you to what? To submit to His Lordship. It's not just calling just to believe and, and understand that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's a calling to submit to His Lordship. The disciples realized Jesus Christ was Lord, and they left what they had and followed Him. They submitted to Him, gave up their life to follow Him. And so when saints are called, those people who are saints, those people who are the church of God, are called to submit to His Lordship. Man, that is one of the hardest things to do, that when you realize, man, I cannot think like I want to think, I can't get angry when I want to get angry. I can't say what I want to say. I can't buy what I want to buy anymore. And that, a lot of people in the world have a lot of trouble with that because they don't see the benefit that God Himself is calling you. Man, what an honor. What a powerful honor. You know, in reality, it's this. It's returning to the Garden of Eden. It's to return to the place where God made the rules God defined our relationship and God was a source of life. You see, when Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God sent him out and he said, under the curse you're going to live. Eve, under the curse you're going to live. And out there they were fallen. They were upset with their lives. It was not a good place to be. But if God would have looked back and if he would have said, no, 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 wait, come back. What do you think they would have done? They no doubt would have come back to him, but they couldn't because the blood of Jesus hadn't been shed. So you and I have to get to this place. Well, we realize we live in a fallen, messed up world where I don't like my life. I don't like being in charge of myself. I don't like the curse of sin, nor do I like to uh, work in the sweat of my brow to endure pain and suffering in this world. And so when God calls me back to fellowship with Him, 
And He calls me back to a holy relationship with Him. He calls me back to the day where before the fall, where you lived, where God said, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is who I've made you to be. This is what I've called you to do. This is who your spouse will be. And this is who will not be your spouse. This is what I called you to, uh, to work and where I've not called you. It comes back to that place. And they had every need supplied. They were perfect in harmony, perfect in relationship with God and themselves. So God calls out His saints back to Himself. He not only calls them out, but He calls them to... Saints are called by God. We're called to live His life. Romans chapter 1, verse 7 says, Paul, uh, Paul said that those who are beloved are God, beloved of God, are called as saints. Saints are distinct in this world today because of their relationship to God. You and I should be distinct. We should be imitators of God. Look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. What are you called out and called to? Paul says, be imitators. I'm going to paraphrase this morning. He says, imitate God in the new living. He says, follow the example of Christ. Let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity, greed among you. Such sins have no place among the saints. Things like obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Because he says what? No immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. And he ends it with this. Carefully determine what is pleasing to the Lord. You are called out and called to the purposes of God. How many people are happy about that? Amen? Man, I have been called out from living for myself, thinking for myself, getting myself into trouble, and called to a mighty, awesome, universal plan of God. And then He gives me His name, Holy One. Do you think that's your identity today? Holy One? Nobody likes to... You know, say, oh my gosh, we're preaching on sin this morning. Oh my gosh, we're preaching on holiness this morning. Man, God has called you to something so powerful, so mighty, so awesome, that when we would see where... Man, I want to get so sick of sin. You know what I mean? Anybody here this morning? I want to get so sick of sin that when I look at this world today, man... I've been turning on the news and I turn on these things this world and I say, God, man, look at what sin does. Look at how sin corrodes this world. I hate it. I hate what it does to me. I get, I, you know, temptation comes my way and I think something or do something or say something I shouldn't say. And I mean, ah, I hate that. I hate what sin does to me. I hate what sin does to you. I hate what sin does to our community. And so I say, thank God. God, you have the power and ability that you called me. God, you called me out and you called me to be a holy one. You know, but here's the problem. It goes into number two. How in the world are you supposed to do that? How in the world? Because I, I look at me, man, God, how can I? You go through your day, you go through your week, and you think, Lord, I have messed up this week. Anybody ever do that? Man, I've, man, I've messed up this week. God, I wanted to think that. God, why did I say that? Why didn't I turn that off? God, why didn't I look the other way? God, why didn't I shut my mouth? God, why did I listen to that? Right? Let's be honest this morning. We're all a bunch of messed up people who need Jesus, okay? If you're really, really, if you're not, then we're going to talk to you after service and learn some things, okay? Man, but how in the world can you do it? We are called out from sin. We are called out from compromise. We realize Jesus Christ paid for His, uh, to give us His righteousness with His very own blood, that He gave us His name that's holy. But then I get, I kind of get scared. Because it's like, Lord, I'm going to mess this thing up. Anybody? You know, we got people who just got baptized this morning and, and 
And I remember, you know, when God calls me and He called me to ministry, it's like, or He called me to do this, God, I might mess this up. Anybody feel like you're worried that you... How in the world can you walk holy in such a day like this? Okay, number two is this. Not only, number one, are saints called, but number two, saints are glorified by God. Saints are glorified by God because, you know what? Are you comfortable with someone imitating your life? You have an awesome responsibility when God calls you out. And He calls you and He says, I've named you Holy One in this world. You have my name. My name is Holy One. I give you my name, Saint of God. That means Holy One. And so now you have a powerful testimony that God has called you out and called you to something. You've got a ministry. You've got a purpose in God's house and His kingdom, right? Are you comfortable with someone imitating your life? Are you comfortable with someone following and doing what you're doing and that's going to lead them to a healthy place in Jesus Christ? Because I don't know about you, but being a pastor puts a holy fear in me. Being a parent puts a holy fear in me, right? Anybody? When you say you're a Christian, you wear that sanctuary t-shirt, Brent. That means we got to act holy, right? That's right. It's supposed to. How in the world can you do that? Number two, saints are glorified. Not only are you called to be holy, but thank God you are made holy. You are sanctified. First Corinthians chapter one, verse two said that saints are sanctified. God not only justifies you, that means makes you legally innocent. He only not just wipes your sin away, but he actually changes your very nature. He changes the believer's heart. And this is the important part, church, because so many people believe and profess with the raising of the hand, come down to the altar, but they don't allow the Holy Spirit to change them to be who God has called them to be. This is the key moment where so many people just stop at step one. But God not only calls you holy, but he is able to make you holy how does he do that how does he do that ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 paul says he wants his church to know the riches of his glory for the saints that god has a glorious purpose for you ephesians or sorry first thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13 i'm just going to throw out some scripture at you this morning god establishes the hearts of the saints without blame and holiness could you live your life in such a way that your heart was without blame and holiness seems almost impossible doesn't it Almost impossible. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look at there with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. It's kind of an awesome picture right here. Saints are glorified by God. You're able to be holy. How is that possible? He predestined His saints to become conformed to the image of His Son, Paul wrote. In verse 30, he said, And these whom He predestined, He also called. There's the calling. And these whom He called, He also justified. There's the cleansing. So He called you out of where you were, justified you, made you innocent. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. He called you, He justified you, and He glorified you. What does that mean? You're not just saved from your sin. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you so wish, right? If you so desire. You are glorified. How are you made holy? How are you glorified? Saints are called and glorified to be just like Jesus Christ. And it comes from a continual encounter with God. One of the definitions of saints by a Holman Bible Dictionary says this, that saints realize it's their continued encounter with God that enables them to keep on walking as saints. You can't be holy without the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You can't be holy without the Holy Spirit changing the way you think, changing the way you talk, changing the way you walk. 
It's the Holy Spirit that every day we say, God, I am in utter dependence upon you. God, you called me out. You made me holy. And God, you're transforming the way I think, the way I talk, the way I act, the way I feel when someone stabs me in the back or or, or spits on me or says nasty things about me. God, you have changed my heart from the inside, not just because I believe it, not just because I read it, not just because I pray it, but because I spend time in the presence of God, allowing God to just sanctify Sanctify me from the inside out. Even the Pharisees read their Bible and prayed, but the Pharisees did not encounter the living God on a daily basis. You and I have to get to the place where you are touching the glory of God on a regular daily basis. That when you go to your prayer closet, when you're driving through the streets and you're going through Walmart, man, that God's glory is upon you. That the Holy Spirit is overshadowing you. That He is filling you from the inside out. And you can't live holy by religion. You can't live holy by your own efforts. You can't obey God. Even if you try your very best, it's not going to work. You can go through every 12-step program there is, but that's why we're doing Celebrate Recovery now. It's not just about the program. It's about what happens on the inside of you. That it's an encounter with the holiness of God that changes you. Changes you. I thank God. When I first got saved years ago when I was very little, and I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was about 18, 17 or 18, man, I was still messed up. I still was negative. I still was sarcastic. I still was a gossip. I was still pretty mean. It's amazing my wife married me. And she'll say amen, right? Uh, because I was mean. I was, I was selfish, right? But as I begin to pray... As the Lord drew me to prayer, and as I just began to listen to the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, there was moments where God would just wipe me out in my bedroom. Me and my, I remember me and my roommate, God had just begun moving on our lives, and we were just there, and we were about to have some guys over to to have a prayer meeting. And we're young adults. We're 19 years old having a prayer meeting on a college campus on the party street in Columbia, Missouri. I'm talking there are guys like peeing on my house when I come home at night because they're just everyone's drunk. But in that room, we are praying for God to bring people in from our campus ministry. And we begin to pray for one another. And we just lay hands on one another. And he was just out the Holy Spirit just came down just because two college students began to seek the Lord. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about this morning. Not just about reading your Bible and coming to church. I'm talking about having encounters with God in your bedroom. Having encounters with God in the car. Having encounters with God over your morning coffee and say, God, I felt your presence this morning. Because that's touching heaven, church. That's getting beyond religiosity and just going through the emotions. It's saying, God, I long for your glory to show up in my life. That's what Moses prayed for. He said, God, don't just don't leave us. God, show me your glory. We can't go anywhere without the glory of God in our lives. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. 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 Somebody preach with me this morning. Saints are called. Saints are glorified by God. Number three, saints fear God. This is a very interesting one. I'm a little hyper this morning. It's all right. You're going to get with me. I'm going to pull you along. Saints fear God. Nobody likes to preach this anymore today. Saints fear the Lord. There's a lot of things we can fear in this world. War, economic crisis. We can fear job loss. We can fear violence, unrest, and disease. You can fear death. But look at Psalms 34, verse 7. Psalms chapter 34. I'd encourage you to read this over and over again. Psalms chapter 34, verse 7. David wrote this, and he said this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who, what? Fear Him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for to those who fear him, there is what? No want. There's no want when you fear the Lord. What does that mean? You know, I know, I know a lot of people grew up and they thought God was this mean dad with a big stick and who wants to beat you over that. We, we know that. We grew up, and if you grew up in that condemnation, uh, old school preaching, and, that, and, and some of that is good, though. There's, there's good things in that. But what does it mean to fear the Lord? Scripture repeatedly says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. You know, Andrew Murray, a great theologian and author and pastor, he said when someone said, hey, what's the greatest thing you've ever dwelt on, thought on? You know what he said? My accountability to God. The greatest thing he'd ever set his mind to was to realize I am going to be accountable to a holy God. How I live my life. I'm going to be accountable to God. You and I today will be accountable to a holy and reverent God. But what does that mean about fearing Him? Fear can be a great motivator. Think about it this way. Fear causes you today, hopefully, to put on your seatbelt on the way home. Lord willing. Obey the law of the land, right? Put on your seatbelt. Fear causes you to double-check your car before travel. Fear may cause you to get insurance. Fear causes us, hopefully some of us wise ones, to avoid snakes and spiders, right? And I'll let you say amen. Snakes and spiders. Fear even causes us to put on sunscreen because I don't want to get sunburned. So those of us with lesser hair on our heads, we even put on our heads because we fear what might happen if we don't, right? That's what you get for sitting on the front row. Hebrews, though, chapter 10, verse 31 says, It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The vengeance of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the wrong side of God's wrath. It's a fearful thing to encounter a holy God with a sinful heart. It's a fearful thing to know that on one day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. It's a fearful and holy thing to know that God has you in His hand, that He could send you to hell at any moment He wants to, that He could take His breath from you if He wants to. That is a fearful thing. There is a holy reverence needed for a holy God. And the saints fear the Lord. But David looks at it this way. Look at verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord God, and He delivered me from all of my fears. To fear God is to fear nothing else. I'm going to tell you this morning, we do not as the church fear the devil. We do not as the church fear this economy. We do not as the church fear this government. The only thing the church of God fears is falling on the wrong side of God's wrath. The only thing the church fears is God Himself because God, the greatest fear, wipes out all other fears. We don't fear economic loss. We don't fear going hungry. We don't fear disease or cancer or death. We fear nothing because we fear the Lord. You know what that means? He says, the Lord took away all my fears because I feared Him. Sinclair Ferguson is a great theologian. He wrote it this way. He said, The fear of the Lord tends to take away all other fears. This is the secret of Christian courage and boldness. The fear of the Lord is the secret to Christian courage and boldness. It's like Paul in the Scripture and in the Old Testament writes, You know, whom shall we fear? If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? And Paul writes in Romans 8, Hey, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because I know I have no fear if my life is living in a holy, reverent fear of God. I think, give me a personal example, just me personally. The thing I fear most in the entire world is this. I'm going to tell you my fear, right? 
You go to, you know, people like to scare people and, you know, I'm going to use your fear. Uh, you know, there are things, yeah, in this world I have natural fear of. I prefer not to be in high places with the possibility of falling. You know, I don't, I don't mind skyscrapers or airplanes, but I prefer not to be on the ledge of a roof. Just me personally. I don't trust myself, all right? But the thing I fear most in this world is disappointing God. The thing I fear that motivates me the most is falling from grace. The thing I fear the most is that I would ruin the reputation of this ministry, that I would ruin my wife and our relationship. The thing I fear the most is falling. That healthy, holy fear, knowing that when David prayed in Psalms 51, he said, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That verse has always stuck with me that, God, I do not want to do anything to lose the presence of God in my life. That is a holy fear that keeps me in check. You know, because when temptation comes my way, I have that right there in the back of my mind. I think, I don't want to lose the Holy Spirit. I'm not entertaining that thought. I don't want to lose the reputation of this church and this ministry and this pulpit. I'm staying away from those people. I'm not doing this, that, or this. I'm not, you don't have to worry about my computer because I have a holy fear of God. You don't have to worry what I'm doing in my free time when I'm alone because there is a God is stirring up in me a holy, reverent fear. It's not about just the pulpit or you. I don't want to lose the presence of God in my life. Man, do we have a healthy and holy fear of God that to fear God is to fear nothing else? If you're a saint, you know that God has called you out of your sin. Then there is no condemnation for those who, in Christ, who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. But you know what? I also know that even while there's no condemnation in His love, in His grace, in relationship with Him... I know that God delivers the repentant, but I also know He turns His wrath towards those who do evil. I also know that God brings discipline on His children like a good father should. I also know that I cannot stop preaching and believing that there is judgment for sin, that there is an eternal hell. And may we never lose the holy reverence of a holy God who gives life and He takes it away. I know we want Him to be our best friend, but He's also our Lord and Master. Right? We want Him to also... He is our Savior. He is our Counselor. He is our Comforter. But He also is a mighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, who one day will separate the living and the dead, the righteous and the unrighteous, the sheep and the goats. He will one day set all things in order and bring everything in authority underneath His feet. That's our holy, reverent God. So saints have this holy fear and they reference God. Number four, saints praise God. Man, how do you go from that to praise? Psalms 149, verse 1 says this, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. All praise in the congregation of the godly ones or the saints. Saints have such a revelation of Jesus Christ and what He's done for them that He could have totally sent you to hell. The first sin. One sin is going to separate you from God. One sin has the possibility of putting you in hell with burning flames and fire and unquenching uh, terror and torture for eternity. One sin. But God in His grace, when you and I had a multitude of sins, He saved us. If that's not worthy of praise, if that's not worthy of worship, saints have a revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1.26 They don't only gather together to worship Him, but they glorify Him for their whole lives because saints are a people of praise. You know, it's kind of like that person who, you know, like, man, bad things happen, they lose their job, or, you know, they get diagnosed with something, they just begin, you know, God's good. All the time, God is good. You know, they just begin to, anybody know anybody like this? They're always happy. They're always smiling. They're always positive. You never hear them say anything bad about anybody. They're not gossips or slanders. But there was a lady 
uh, Miss Thompson. And she just passed away this last year in, in our church in, in Columbia, Missouri. And I, I, she had this huge reputation. She's 90-something years old, almost 100. And she just praised the Lord all the time. I remember uh, she she'd get up in years, and, and she would be waiting at the, the glass doors like we have here. And her son, our grandson, would be going to get the car. And everybody would be leaving the church. And the whole time, no one's talking to her. She's all by herself. She's just standing over there in the corner. And she's just sitting, holding on to the door. She's just saying, thank you, Jesus. Holy God. Awesome Father. And she just began speaking in tongues. And I just, if you never saw her just standing there quiet. She was always just going, hallelujah. Glory to God. Love you, Jesus. All the time. You begin to talk to her and she just began to praise the Lord. She was a saint of God. Because she had the praise of Jesus Christ on her lips. She knew her redemption drew near. She knew what God had called her from. And, and one translation of saint is actually derived from the word that means covenant faithfulness. And what does that mean? You can write that down. Saint also comes from a word meaning covenant faithfulness. You know what that means? It means that saints realize they are bound in the faithful love of Jesus Christ. God's got you. You know that? You know that this morning? God has you. God has His hands around you. God bought you with a price. The Bible says that whom shall we for nothing can take us from the hands of God? What can separate us from the love of God? It's not this... And, and, and that's what saints remember. This is, uh, sorry, Ephesians uh, 5.19. Sorry, Romans 8.35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, will persecution, will famine, will nakedness, will peril, or sword... No, because I feared the Lord. I repented from my sins. I gave my heart to Him. I fear nothing. Come what may. If we get diagnosed with illness, come what may. What can take me out of the hands of a mighty God? What can world, this world economy do to us? What can the things of this world... God has already paid the price. God's already said it is finished. There is nothing... Church, we don't fear the devil. I know there's a lot of fear. We fear, what? oh, the devil might make you slip up. The de- no, 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 no. We don't fear anything but the Lord our God. We praise Him and we say, God, thank you today. Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 19 talks about that saints make a melody in your heart. How's your music playing? How's the music of your heart playing today? Are you making a melody for God? Or as people know you more about your gossip, your negativity, your slander, do they know you more about your defeats than your, than your victories in Jesus Christ? Do they know you because you're just exuding, you're bringing heaven down to earth, that you're just in the presence of God. And when you leave that prayer closet in the morning and in the afternoon, that God just comes with you and that you, the glory of God just fills you when you're working, just fills you when you're at school because you are a saint of God you know who you believe, and you're persuaded He's going to keep you until that very last day. That God's got you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got you. God's got you. Somebody better praise the Lord in here this morning. How's the melody of your heart? Are you a victorious overcomer? Because number five, saints love the Lord. I'm going quick here this morning. I know I'm going long. Saints love the Lord. One of the words for saint means kinds are merciful. Saints have this reputation of love. Paul repeatedly talked about his church. He said, I've heard of the love of you had. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he says, For this reason too, for his church in Ephesus, he says, I've heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and I've heard of your love for all the other saints. Saints love God so much that they begin to love like Him. 
Saints love other saints. Saints realize that they are the body of Christ. Saints have a place and involvement in their local church. Saints give the mission. Saints are investing in their time, their talent, and their treasure. Saints uh, do what Romans 12 talks about, and they just love like Jesus. Let me give you some things that saints are known for. Saints are, are known for loving one another like Jesus. They're, they're known for loving without hypocrisy. Saints hate what is evil. They cling to what is good. They're devoted to one another in brotherly love. Saints rejoice in hope, are devoted to prayer. Saints bless and do not curse. They rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And saints associate with the lowly. Saints love the church. Saints love to be the church because they love God. Number six, saints persevere this world. Saints persevere this world. Church, you're going to make it if you are the church. You're going to make it. If you are the church, even if you do backslide, you'll come back. If you are the church, you'll strive every day to continue to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. Scripture describes saints as those who are often living meagerly in this world. Very few true saints are rich, and if they are rich, the most of them give all their wealth away. Just be honest. Read Scripture. Saints live meagerly on this earth. They're not concerned with material gains or possessions. Saints are often persecuted around the world for being God's people. Saints, the Bible says, are put in prison. Saints are even willing to spill their own blood for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're holy ones, the church. And saints, meanwhile, keep the commandments of God. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12 says that saints have kept the commandments of God. When you get up to heaven, it'll be said of you, you kept the word of God. What does that look like? It means that you and I know the truth today. That we've had a revelation of Jesus Christ. That you and I today, when you look at the world, do you realize you are God's end time people? Let me say this. A lot of times you're going to watch these newscasts. You're going to, the fear is going to come over you. The devil is going to come over you. It's going to be uh, just uh, utter hopelessness. But instead of looking all the things around, what you should realize more and more is that you are God's end-time people. This is your lap, church. If Paul were here, what would he be doing? If Peter were here, what would he be doing? If the disciples were here today, and they saw the world's events today, what would they be doing? How would they run their lap, this next generation? Because this is your lap. This is my lap. And God has called you today to be those ones who might just usher in the presence of the Lord Jesus for the final return. We have an awesome responsibility to persevere we have an awesome responsibility to hold fast, to make it, to put out all the evil things of this world, to stop thinking like the world, dressing like the world, acting like the world, to start talking, talking like saints talk, walking like saints walk, praying like saints pray, worshiping like saints worship, believing like saints believe. Because this is the end. It's always been the end, but this more now than ever, the last hundred years, we've gone through an end time series, even the beginning of this, this, uh, this year. There have been more natural disasters in the history of the world in the last hundred years. There's been more wars in the history of the world in the last hundred years. There's been more famines, pestilence, disease, new viruses, all of these things, more economic collapses now in the last just hundred years than in the history of the world combined. These are the signs of the time. 
We have to persevere, church. We've got to raise our family in holiness and righteousness of the truth. We've got to put sin out of our hearts. We've got to be the good soil that bears that seed. Luke 8, chapter 8, verse 15 says that that good soil bared that good seed with perseverance. We've got to hold fast the gospel. None of this coming into Jesus and flaking out and going and turning the other way. Be that good soil. Put out sin. Hold the gospel in your heart. Be that good soil. Saints, persevere. Because God Himself is their perseverance. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. God Himself gives them perseverance and encouragement till His final coming. Is the truth of Jesus causing you to endure all things this world throws at you? Do you stand firm against the principles of the kingdoms of this world? You know, we will receive the crown of life one day. I can persevere for that. I'm going to see Jesus face to face one day. I can persevere for that. It ain't so bad, church, that we would want to lose that. Life's not so bad that you want to give up and stop trying and start living for yourself. Man, nothing's worse than walking those streets of gold, seeing all the people and the saints of God before, talking with Moses, talking with Elijah, seeing your family and friends gone before and having eternal security in Jesus Christ, talking with God, being with God, and giving an eternity to be under His reign and dominion, walking in the peace of God for all ages to come. Millennia, millennia. Francis Chan wrote in his book, he, uh, I think it's Crazy Love or one of his books, he wrote, so many people are worried about the next 10 years of their life, but not the next 10 million. Think of it. I can persevere through a couple more decades if Jesus tarries. We can make it because we've got millions and millions more. Millions and millions more that matter so much. Amen? So saints persevere. And lastly, saints persevere this world, number six. And lastly, saints inherit the next. Over and over in Scripture, Paul writes, even in the Old Testament, Daniel writes that saints will inherit something. The holy ones of God inherit something. Those that are called out, those that are glorified, those that are set apart, those that are fearing the Lord, those that are loving God, those that are praising God, those that are are persevering through this world, they inherit something. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, chapter 18, he Paul wanted, sorry, Paul wanted to know uh, his saints to know the glory of God's inheritance for the saints. He says, if you live your life worthy of the calling, if you're glorifying Jesus in His grace, you and I will inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, we will inherit the kingdom of God is our great reward. There's going to be a new day. There's going to be a day coming where you and I are raptured, and it doesn't seem like it's real now, but you know what? The flood was really real, and it came. You know what? Jesus really walked this earth. That may not seem real to so many people. It seems like, well, God, how is it going to happen? It's going to be, how, you know, it doesn't make sense, God. I, you've never, you're not working that big and powerful today. I don't see you just signs and wonders happen. But, you know, there's going to come a day. We're just like in Noah's day where God showed up. Just like when Elijah called down fire from heaven. There was something supernatural. There's going to be a mighty supernatural encounter on this earth. Where we hear a great trumpet sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to them in the air together to be with the Lord always. There's going to be a day coming where you and I see descend from heaven, and in a mysterious way, this awesome city of God 
where God is part of the Mount of Olives and there is a stream of life that flows without end and it begins to heal the nations around the world, that God brings justice and righteousness as the foundation of His throne. There's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more death. There's no more disappointment. There's coming a day where you and I are going to inherit a great and awesome reward if we'll just be holy. If we'll just walk holy as He is holy. Daniel chapter 7, verse 18 says, But the saints of God, the saints of the High One, will receive the kingdom and possess it forever, for all ages to come. Verse 27, he says, And then the sovereignty and dominion of the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to who? The people of the saints of the Highest One. And he says his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey him. And, and even Paul echoes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him and are called according to what? His purpose. To walk holy. To walk holy, church. God is going to give you so much. If you just persevere and know you're going to inherit the next kingdom. You're going to inherit things that God is as, as fashioned from beginning of time. Before he even made the world, God had already set in motion what he's going to give you. Not riches and glory and fame and wealth, but eternal things that last. Mm. Are you holy today? Are you walking as holy today? Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I want you today to take the challenge to be God's holy ones. You would join me in saying, God, I'm not satisfied with my level of holiness. God, the closer I draw to you, Lord, the more I see my need to continually put out all this sin of my life. God, to continually consecrate, to give myself over to you and to daily say, God, I know you've called me out to be holy. God, I know you've called me to holiness. But God, I want to be glorified by you. I want to grow in the fear of the Lord. I want to grow in the praise of God. I want to grow in the love of God and His church. I want to persevere this world. Church, I've given you almost every scripture today in some manner. An exhaustive study of what Bible, the Bible says of who are the saints of God. This doesn't come from any book. This is simply scripture today. These are the seven signs of saints listed in the Word of God. Saints are called out and called to. Saints are, are fearful of the Lord and, and, and walking away from Him. It draws us into His holiness. Saints are walking by holiness because we are glorified by the power of the Holy Spirit. Saints love God and His church. Saints praise the Lord and persevere in all things because they know they're going to inherit the next. The kingdom of God. Church, we've got to stop compromising with sin. We've got to start putting it out of our lives. We've got to start walking holy because we're not going to make it. Your children aren't going to make it. Mom and dad, how you act, how you talk to one another, how you live your life, what you watch, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, mom and dad, your kids aren't going to make it unless we're walking holy. Young person, the habits you develop now in your life determine whether or not how long you're going to make it. We've got to walk holy. We've got to put out sin of our life. We've got to walk holy as He is holy because He has given you His name, His identity. Are you happy with people imitating your life right now? And you'd say and be honest. you say, God, I know that I need to walk holier. God, I need to think holier. Not God, I need to act holier. You know what? And that's awesome. 
I pray, God, that you would move on every heart in life today to say, God, I've got to stop. I've got to stop changing what I'm watching. God, I've got to, I've got to change what I'm talking. God, I've got to change what I'm doing, what I'm thinking. Maybe it's just unholy thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, negative thoughts, depressing thoughts, shameful thoughts, anger, unforgiveness, all these things. You say, God, I know those things are not holy. The way I've been talking, the way I've been thinking, the way I've been feeling, God's not holy. But you know what? It's not going to be any religious thought. It's not going to be any religious work. It's not going to be coming to church more, reading your Bible more, even praying more. It's going to be through those things, encountering the very presence of God who makes you holy. You can't do it on your own, church. There's some in here who've been failing with habits and addictions and hurts. You've been failing in your walk with holiness because it's not because you haven't been trying. You've been giving it your best, and God knows that. But you haven't, haven't let God begin to change you from the inside out. You haven't been giving God the opportunity to walk on, work on your heart. That the Holy Spirit would begin to move in you and just be changing the way you think, the way you feel, the way you talk, the way you walk. Jesus. Father God, I pray you to sanctify us in holiness to truth.